word. You know what? You clap. I'll just I'll just. Welcome back to Weebology, everybody. Yo, what's I good? I am your yeah. I'm your New Year Professor Ricky. I'm a changed man. That's interesting. I'm new New Year old me. So you're old you. Yeah. Yeah. You're cost. You're coasting into 2022. The person you're. Do you have no resolutions for this? Absolutely none. In fact, I'd like to make as little changes as possible. Wow. The tracks you're on are that good. Yeah, you know, uh, if you're on a great course down a rather uh, scary <laughs> path down a mountain, uh, you don't want to go yeah. off path and then fall in a crevasse. Exactly. So you're saying that the path you're on, this, the particular tracks you set yourself on are that good, but at any point it could careen into a ravine, if you will. Yeah, I mean, if you take a... <laughs> You know, a little bit too fast of a turn on on a on the hill, you might end up in the crevasse. See, I'm a man. I'm a man who lives in those crevasses, my dude. Yeah. So I, Back I have void, many. You know. A little bit, yeah. But I, I'm a man of resolution. I do well in the changing of the seasons. I do well here. I was just on a trip to see my brother in a new city, or not new, but other city. That I've been to very infrequently in uh for the new year, and you know I I've come back a changed man. I'm I'm looking to do some things thanks to a faraway land that I was <laughs> visiting my brother in. Really, a faraway land. I would say far away. I can't wait to as hear far where this as is we're going. <laughs> Speaking of <laughs> far away, Ethan, you already knew it. You already knew what I was going to cut. It wasn't the most, uh, I don't know. That's not the stealthiest. It wasn't the stealthiest, but they can't all be that stealthy. But today. Correct. The show that we're talking about, say, the show we're talking about is, I I feel like it's a little bit overdue, not because of the show itself, because of the the genre. You know. Why? Because it's like sort of D&D-esque? Well, I'm glad you said that because that will apply exactly 30 minutes from the time we're talking right now. But right now, I'm talking about isekais. What the it's been fuck? a little bit. What are you talking it's been, about? It's been, a, it's been a little bit since we talked about an isekai, and I, th- I feel like we give isekais a lot of love on this show. That's all I'm saying. You know? Yeah, that's true. We're isekai whores as well. We're a little bit of a whore for isekai, but it, Ethan's kind of a whore along for the ride. I am the true isekai horror what is is that still true do you watch more isekais than i do i probably do, do honestly i would say maybe uh maybe but but it's also that i i think historically we now have the the ratings backlog that i think i rate isekais higher than you might so i i get i may watch less but i am a i'm a smitten boy for isekais um but today we're talking about a show that I I wouldn't I guess it's it started out like I thought it would have lit up the season it was in you know this past season but I will say and I have my reasons for it it fizzled out in not a bad way into the latter half of its season it wasn't a bad fizzle it was a fizzle for uh I think fans of the genre that like they've seen it all heard it all and they're just kind of like I don't know. So what we're talking about today 
is the fall 2021 or is it winter kind of going into winter 2022 that kind of time frame uh isekai purist show called the faraway paladin uh created by a studio called child uh i think it was like child's playground entertainment which uh, i don't know what they i uh, i don't know what they i was actually looking it up like literally just before and I, before I even got on mic, I didn't get the chance to show exactly what they had. Um, they don't got a lot, I'll admit. They got Citrus. They have a couple uh what look slice of lifeies. Well, and- I saw some uh, production companies, I guess, Billy Billy and Overlap, which I do feel like have done other stuff. So you're saying that you saw them involved and they helped out. Right. Like at the end of every episode, those two pop up. It's like... Billy Billy oh. and Overlap. Okay, I see you. Yeah, so the, they're they're keenly involved somehow, but they're not necessarily credited all the time. But Children's Playground Entertainment is the one spearheading this particular thing. And I, I got to say, it's probably the best thing they've ever done, uh, <laughs> according to these other shows' ratings. But um, initial thoughts. What, what do you, what, you watch the first season, so what are your thoughts on this particular uh, I would say pretty sterile isekai at the end of the day. Yeah, I think I, I'm right along with you where in the beginning I was like, wow, this is going to be sick. Um, probably about halfway through uh, when the kind of like the main shift from like a, I guess, training um, and lore building to like a yeah, yeah. his own adventure kind of thing started happening. Um, it really lost yeah. a lot of steam for me. Um, and I think mostly it's just like, all of the supporting cast is just so fucking weak. It's for crazy. And then that's actually a good, it's a good point. Cause like, and then it like didn't worse, start that way. Well, and yeah. then like worse, like he started off fighting essentially gods. And then now he's just playing against like little baby boys. Thank you. So it's like, it's a little bit that. of a, a, a rough um, transition from like, I guess halfway through season one, part one, <laughs> to uh yeah, season basically. one part two yeah and I, i'm glad you put it in parts because i i could truly separate this even and I, I gotta say this up front we're gonna get into spoiler town maybe about halfway through but like the first half of this show had every ounce of promise that the second half of the show never seems to deliver on which was a very weird thing to experience because it, it it didn't feel so much as like oh they fumbled anything this felt like a writing thing like it was like it was built into the story you know the studio did everything they could with what they had but the first half gave so much life and breath into this world in in a way that i think uh not a lot of isekai could manage just because of the characters we'll get into them in a second but the second half it really kind of fizzled out into a really benign generic fantasy adventure and I, I don't know I, I I guess I didn't come into this show with any high hopes like crazy hopes or anything like that the trailers were good everything seemed solid and the first like four or five episodes just that mini arc was like actually brilliant like that that whole setup was absolutely brilliant but you're right the moment that he went on his own it seemed like 
he in and of himself was not enough to sustain a show for I see seasons to come. There needs to be more, right? I don't know. Uh, I uh, to me is it's like it's like you had a triple gainer going at the Olympics, and then you not that you didn't stick the landing, like you ate ass on the landing, <laughs> but you almost meant to do it. Like everything felt purposeful, and they get no they get points for that, but. I don't know. This wasn't any fumbling in this show. The writing itself was not built for this first season. So, I don't know. Well, I just think, like, you you compare this to really any other Isekai we've watched recently, right? Like, compare it to even Suke Michi, which does something different, but that was way more entertaining the whole way through. There was more, like, of a... I guess a I, it wasn't like a, a one one person had to do all the heavy lifting, you know what I mean? Like there was some characters beside the the main character that were interesting at minimum. Yeah, and I want to get to that real quick <coughs> after my crazy coughs, which I'll cut out inevitably in this episode. <coughs> but Sukumichi Moonlit Fantasy is an interesting comparison to this show because. I think, weirdly enough, after watching this show, I have more of a respect for Moonlit Fantasy. I know that sounds really weird, but I'm I'm gonna stick to it. I mean, because... I, I think it sounds reasonable. I mean, okay. you, got, okay. you gotta watch like, I guess, more bland, weaker entries into the space to really recognize, I guess, some of the good parts about a show you maybe didn't like, right? Facts, yeah, seriously, because like, I, I I gotta say, like, I. I mean, I watched Moodlet Fantasy. I actually continued Moodlet Fantasy on the plane ride <laughs> where I was at to and from because I had already watched Faraway Paladin. So I continued Moodlet Fantasy because it felt in in the second half it felt like real, like oh, this has Moodlet Fantasy vibes all of a sudden. So I wanted to make sure that you know I wanted to see the, where the other, that other show went. And I watched Moodlet Fantasy more, and I'm like, weirdly enough, I feel like Moodlet Fantasy. And Faraway Paladin have some parallels in that they commit to like the blandness in Moonlit Fantasy more than I think the latter half of Faraway Paladin do. Because the blandness of Moonlit Fantasy, they committed in a way that made the character more interesting. He grew in a bland way, but those bland uh kind of steps up, getting different classes, like that actually helped him in the long run. Whereas the blandness kind of downtrodden him and relegated him to some bland position, which I'll get into in a bit. But yeah, I mean, I, I think they've done a pretty yeah. bad job of explaining kind of like the power system at all, right? Like it just seems like random people have been given like God blessings, and you're like, what the fuck does that even mean? Like at it, first, in, like in the first yeah. half, like I'm led to believe that no one's worshiping gods anymore, and this is a special gift you're being given. And then he gets to the first right, real right. city and it seems like everyone and their grandma has a blessing. It, yeah, it, you're like, wait a minute, I thought I was special. Right. I thought I had something, right. Um, and, and I don't. I actually don't hate the system of div- of divine kind of endowments, these blessings. I don't hate that in this show because of one character, but I, I do want to set the stage for the students because 
I'm going to keep it as spoiler-free as possible right now, but, you know, check back in 20 minutes. We're going full Spoiler City USA, baby. We're taking that train deep into the heart of Spoiler Train Town. But, on the outset, we got a guy, Isekai, into this new world as a baby. Pretty standard bullshit. He thinks, oh my god, where am I? What's going on? And he realizes that the three things he sees first are three undead monsters. What he's think he's freaking out, but turns out they're quite caregiving. They're nice, actually. So he's actually uh, realized he has been, quote unquote, born into a loving family that has taught him up to a certain age. I want to say like 13, you know, swordsmanship, magic, blessings from the divine gods, all that stuff. He's been taught everything. And you quickly learn that these three individuals are undead creatures in this world. They're on the outskirts of society. Very much kind of, uh, I'm trying to think of what other isekais propelled combatants, actually, a little bit, right? Because he was propelled to the outskirts of, uh, outskirts of this world and Moonlit Fantasy, right? He was, he was propelled to the outskirts of this world. They just happen in this show to put something interesting into the outskirts. Right. Which is these undead, yeah, these undead creatures who, which, again, I cannot speak more highly to how amazing the first half of this show is. The fact that this kid is raised by these three undead beings, they not only endow him with old techniques, old magics, like the real archaic foundations of the power he can use in this world, but also the history of it. They've been around for hundreds of years, possibly at this point, so they can endow him with the richness of the history of this world so he doesn't walk out knowing like, oh, I don't know what anything you're talking about. He has a bit of the mythos of this world also kind of imbued in him before he ventures forth away from these these uh, quote-unquote monsters who were his parents. So, I I don't know. I Man, I love the way this show started. I love it. Like, that that whole setup is fucking brilliant. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone would agree if having watched it, right? Like, the first half is phenomenal, and then it just fizzles when, like, frankly, the most interesting characters um, go away, right? Because, like, the first three, like, that he grows up with, you know, he's got yep. uh, Mary, the maiden, uh, you've got Blood, the warrior, and then you've got Gus, the, like, wandering sage. And yeah. it turns out they're like oh, yeah. a they're like a mythical party essentially that went around with um I think it was ninety seven other badasses and just started fucking shitting on all the bad things in the world, um yep. and in, it just kind of yeah. like I don't know I did like of course how they brought that up later in the season right like some of the lore yeah, yeah. and like uh, yeah, bringing sure. it back to him but you know it's just it's tough to sustain a a show when like that was the beginning, right? Like, meeting these legendary heroes. I think it's you know, tough. I, You know what? It's funny you say that, because I, I disagree. I think that actually is a really easy way to set up a lot of greatness in a show. Like, like, I, said, like, like I said, he was imbued with uh, the knowledge and the lore of this mythical party that people still sing about out in the living world, right? They still sing about the crew that raised this kid, this Will kid. So 
the fact that he is like and 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 it's funny because this show does a really good job at certain moments of giving will real leverage of knowing them i mean shit even gus's name and uh blood's real name has some real effect that him holding on to that information now could help him in the future by winning favor to others so they did a good they they, they knew what they were doing like they knew they had will as a character har- like a harbinger of this knowledge just kind of like uh, like uh, uh, survey the world and see what he can find and if you know this world seems to really celebrate this mythical party so the fact that he knows some intimate details about said party could actually give him a boon in the future and they've alluded to that a bit but the, I, I think this might be a little bit of season one syndrome of a larger story because it's clear that I think there is a, still a lot of meat on these bones to make a really good season two and beyond. They just really have to leverage what they did in the first five episodes of this season. And um, I, I think we're where we kind of are both having our hangups is like, you know, this will kid was taught in the ways of basic magic from a master and swordsmanship from an ancient warrior and, his ability to commune with the divine from an ancient maiden, like a, someone who has been, you know, praying to a god long after her own death. So, I mean, he he has everything he needs. Not in a way that's kind of OP, but in a way that actually kind of vibes with the world. Like, that could have been anybody. Anybody could have been dropped in Will's situation. The boons he'd received are not, like, ham-fisted, you know, like, like sword art online i'm a beta tester i know the game before you guys blah 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 no no no. anyone could have been dropped and if there's at least half as smart as will would have walked away with the same boons and that's what makes me really happy about this particular isekai is that everything he received was by sheer merit of circumstance rather than contrivance right he just happened to be born in front of these three individuals who are undead but were celebrated in their own time and still celebrated to this day so i actually really love this isekai for that one big reason is that the op aspect of our main character is he uh, is his affinity for magic sure we've seen that everywhere but he was also taught by an arcane master from like another age his swordsmanship is from another age, but he's taught by one of the masters, right? He just happened to be born in that situation. He's not good because of contrivance. He's good because of just the situation he got plopped in. So I don't hate it, but it, the uphill battle still exists. So Yeah, all that being said, though, I think he is a little OP, right? Like, even later on, when you talk to the, he talks to the prince after he fucks up that wyvern solo, essentially... Um, actually breaks his neck with his own hands right but like at that point he's like oh you must have had a party of like five people with all these random abilities and he's like uh no actually i did all of it except for the fairies and so you know it's pretty clear that (laughs) that's actually true yeah you know and and he even says it near the end he's like i was ignoring the fact that i'm like so special right and i think you know that kind of does take a bite at your not op theory right like it does it does. But in in a way that it's like, you know, if you're taught by the strongest people that ever existed, 
like of course you're gonna be yeah. you're gonna be like yeah. cream of the crop. Yeah, and it, it's fun. Like I said, it's funny you say that because it's like that's that. I'm not saying he's not OP, and I don't think Will is saying he's not OP. But I think there is a semblance of recognition where he understands, like, yeah, he he recognizes that he may have always had an affinity for magic and been good at it, but that could have been very much wasted if he wasn't he wasn't so good that his circumstances of his birth didn't matter, right? Like he could have been born in some cottage in some like boonie town and not learned magic until he was like seventeen, right? Sure. That could have been a thing. But he was born in the care of some of the most prolific adventurers and managed to assimilate all of their skills that they knew from age past, the ages people sing about, and, you know, managed to incorporate them in a way. And his skill was maximally uh, elevated, right? He was optimized, which. A lot of isekais kind of like don't really lean on that, I think. Um, Jobless does a bit of it because like Rudy kind of encounters some of the knowledge himself um, in books and, and he, he ventures to places that have knowledge. But, you know, uh, Will could have easily been a have like been born anywhere but the place he was. But he definitely has a bit of luck on his side, you know. He was bored in a place where people could teach him with the skills to teach him something worth learning. So that's something that I think. Yeah, I think they definitely need to explore that a little bit more because don't they just like find him in the middle of the fucking city, like the dead city? Yes. I mean, that's weird, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Like, and you're right. I think that there is a bit of explanation that is left uh, untapped. And I think that's important that it's untapped. Um, for a couple reasons. Uh, one, a little bit of spoiler, that he can't quite go back to all of his fam. You know, by certain circumstances, they were uh, incapacitated and also put to rest. So while they were undead, they were undead for a specific reason, and he can't go back to that. So that well of knowledge is gone now, which is a very interesting thing, right? Is that there's no more to learn from them, be- not because they have no more to teach, but because they have no capacity to be able to teach anything. I guess except for Gus, he could still teach him more things. But um, all that being said, yes, he is OP. There is no denying it. We have an OP MC who slices freaks and claps cheeks on our hands. Like he literally, he's there, and people comment on it. But. It's it's not in a it's not an OP situation where he just keeps escalating further up. He's learned all he could and now he's out in the world and it is up to him to learn more. You know? So I, I, I don't hate yeah, the start he got, you I, know. I think I agree with you. Like that stagnation of learning and like getting better, I think might also be part of the reason the second half feels so stale. Because, I mean, he basically yeah. plateaus. He didn't learn shit. Yeah, he didn't learn shit. He plateaus, he and then he's just, like, going around fighting all the weak, weak monsters that he grew up on, you know? Yeah, so like, uh, that's what this show, I think, and that's what I'm saying. It feels very purpose-driven. Like, this show definitely intended for this to happen, where he had such a boon in the beginning because he had such a wealth of knowledge and an affinity in a couple areas, so he could elevate himself 
in a way that even uh through his uh early game uh <laughs> knowledge sources off their game like oh he's actually better at sword fighting than we thought oh he's way better at magic than we thought okay cool but then once he's out in the real world and those people are out of the picture that stagnation is not a merit of his inability to grow like he still clearly has all the potential in the world but he's stagnant because he's just trying to survive like he has to operate now in a world and he's been giving such a boon of like this knowledge but then it's up to him now to make something work with that so i don't hate the way it's all framed but it doesn't make for uh, the way they paste it it doesn't make for a very good second half of the season you know like yeah he's definitely more powerful than most of the threats they come up against and when they're when he's not stronger than that he keeps lamenting that he's not that strong i'm like well you haven't done anything to make yourself stronger because no one could help you you've been burnt out in a way so i i, I don't know the second half it, it it just it feels so rough to me man it feels so rough yeah i don't know i think it's uh I mean, like I said, every character he meets, other than like, I think B is interesting. Antonio is interesting, obviously. Yeah, very uh, cool. And then maybe even Manel a little bit, though a little weird that he like won't call him his friend for some unknown fucking reason. But um, he's a jaded boy. Come on, I guess. But this guy's like saved his <laughs> ass constantly. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> and like saved all his friends, and you know, sent them on to the to the afterlife kind of situation. You'd expect him to like at least be like, you know, he he like thanked him. But it was like, if I was uh, what's his face, uh, Will, I would have been like, yeah, all you gotta do is call me your friend, and we'll be good. You know, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, they yeah, they didn't true. go down that path, but, you know, it, it, I don't know. It's just, like, you start off, and, I mean, in the first, like, five episodes, I think he literally, like, fights a god, right? Yeah, he does. And then uh, you move Stagnus, on. The, yeah. You move on, it, it, and then you're, like, they're fighting, like, little lizard undeads and, like, mana cores that are little bi- bitch boys, and then, like, I think all the villagers are just complete background scenery, you know what I mean? Like yeah. none of them yeah. are interesting. None of them matter. It's just kind of I don't know. I, I it was a very strange um, tonal shift that I don't know how 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 they could have thought that that was going to be a good move. And I think you know you do see it at the, at the very very end. He kind of recognizes like okay, I've been going about this the wrong way. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, that's that's what I'm saying. Is like the way that the scaling all works actually. And I I didn't want to get into scaling, but it does have a very big implication in this show where you have someone who's competing and training with the best of the best that history has to offer. And then a god comes around and he happens to get the, the he gets the one up on the god. And then he has to go from there to fighting forest creatures. And everyone's like, oh, my God, your skill is incredible. So he went. He scaled up to one of the world's big bads. He didn't destroy him, but he definitely got the one up on him and did a good job because he took a uh, a blessing from a god, which I'll talk about in just a second. And then he goes back to because he's just surviving in the world that it is not the world that he was kind of coddled in. And everyone considers him the strongest there is to be. So 
Does him feeling OP feel natural? Yes, it feels 100% natural in this show, and I'm actually really cool with that. But that does not necessarily make for good entertainment right. from that point onward, right? Is it is it logical? Yes. Is it entertaining? A lot of the times, no, because he, he wasn't presented with harder challenges from the challenges he like all of his challenges up to the point when he had to leave his original home were combative right they were combat i had to beat blood i had to beat gus i had to beat this random god who showed up and made a mess of things and then from there he had to fight social issues so anytime he was in the face of a combatant issue, it was almost swept aside like, yes, he was going to win. But then they centered on his ability to be a diplomat. And I don't hate that pivot, but I do hate it when I've been led to believe up to this point, I'm going to be watching a show where he gets stronger combatively. And then I don't get to see the fruits of his labor. I just get to see more diplomatics. And then every time a, a uh, combative situation comes up, he just waxes people left and right. So it, it's a it's a shift that, like, it, it didn't have any lead in. Like, no one warned us. Gus, Blood, Mary, none of them warned him. Like, hey, you're gonna have diplomatic battles. You got to be cordial. You have to be this. And he didn't feel like he just happened to uh, be a diplomat as well. So it felt very disjunct in this way. So I don't know. I I feel like maybe it's not so much the second half didn't have conflict, just conflict that he was never prepared for, but somehow rose to the occasion too. So I was never like saw his growth there. He just happened to be a diplomat. Yeah, and I think they could have explained that from like maybe his past life or something. But then that's what I'm thinking. But yeah. then they pull in this yeah. like this like Rudy esque like he's sitting there all alone. <laughs> yeah, thank you for yeah. Rudy. And it, it was some Rudy shit. It's kind of like okay, so this guy is is another person that has no social skills whatsoever, and he just turns into like the judge. You know, it, it's kind of like I think you know people have shit on me before for this opinion, but when you come from our world and you go back to like a medieval world. Yes, you seem pretty fucking smart, you know? You do. Um, so I that's kind of my feelings is like that could be easily explained in like one sentence, like, you know, my high school education just really, you know, did enough for me that they all thought I was like the smartest guy in the whole village. You know, yeah, I had the red I had the rhetoric of a twenty first century man. <laughs> I mean that's I all I'm asking with for, it. you know? Yeah, I could <laughs> that's all I'm asking for. I could delegate with the best of them. But yeah, so I mean, like, I mean, it does obviously think, help. He's like wyvern killer paladin, right? So like, yeah, he's important. Yeah. So I mean, I, I don't know, like, the way I want to talk about this, though, now that we're this deep in, is the fact that this this show feels like it devolved into a very standard ass D and D campaign, did it not? Yeah, definitely. Um, it like, just like, like I feel like they blew their load so early though with the uh, stagnus. Oh, okay. So like, what, like what why stag- not? Why not send them away and say, okay, you need to return in fifteen years, and we're gonna battle this dude. Like that. I, that yes. seems to me a better, a better like use of the story, right? Because yeah. they'll be like, "What? Well, look, we've taught you all we can." 
Um, but we think that you can go get stronger and you can do more and we want you to still have a life, right? Because when you return to help us, like it might be over. So, you know, we want you to go live your life. Um, so it, it, yeah, I, I think, I think that's exactly what they intended to do. You're, you're a hundred percent right. Like they put the overall threat, the Stagnus undead God in front of him and the fact that he took out two of his three caregivers, he definitely has a compulsion now to try to seek out and get revenge for this shit. Um, yeah, he they definitely put the the ceiling, the the final boss in front of us really early, which in and of itself is not a bad idea. I don't, I don't think I don't think that was wrong, but you're right. They never gave him a clear incentive to like you need to come back here in x no, x amount of time and avenge us or revenge us or get us back to life or any kind of thing right so i think there is a boon to be found there but overall i think it was not great in pacing wise because i like you said i felt like the load was blown episode five and then six comes and he's out in the real world now and he's like not he's kind of aimless as if he were at the outset of his own D and D campaign, right? Like seriously, yeah. That's like, and then all the friends he made in the second half. Shit, dude. I mean, look at his roster. He is a half elf ranger. He has a tiny lowly chili bard who, like, that chibi doesn't do shit in terms of like Ari Ferretta shit. So, like, props to her, but. <laughs> that lowly bard is a. I'm saying like an inter. It's it's an interesting usage of a lowly to be a bard. That makes a lot of sense to me. Like cute. Like put her on stage. She's a half violin. Like she's a little halfling. She's got a voice of an angel. Just like yeah, perfect. Like good lowly usage. Ten <laughs> out of ten. No notes for that. <laughs> yeah, no no notes out of that. Um, and then you have uh, I would say so uh, Tonin, who I guess would maybe be like a rogue merchant. Like he's sneaky as fuck, so I don't know what his what his deal is, but he's, a he's definitely a merchant. He's a hawker, which I I don't quite understand what that was. Like hawking was a hawker goods. like haw like ha oh hawking goods? I yeah, thought he like literally selling. had no no. Like no. I thought he had a hawk for a while. No no, they're just saying he's like a salesman. <laughs> okay, so we have a merchant. He's gonna bring in commerce, and then you have the guy. Rajovic, or the guy who was in like the the Jon Snow looking like Raystar, I think the Penetrator. Yeah. Ray, uh, Raystov, the Penetrator. Raystov, Raystov. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's your warrior. He's your barbarian. He's your guy. So I mean, like you have a very well structured D and D party within the confines of the rules of D and D. I wonder, and I told my roommate, I wonder if this is just like an isekai thin wrapping over a D&D campaign like a good D&D campaign that was written decently well that someone decided to make into an anime or a light novel or a manga or whatever was prior to this anime right it, it I don't know it just feels too aligned with D&D to ever think it was anything less I don't know I think it's it's sort of just like easy pickings right like you don't have to create your own power system if you just steal D&D stuff you know, and they did. You know, you don't have to create like. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of like a a really unique. I guess sort of like you don't have to create um, Log Horizons like pretty difficult game logic and 
you know, all that stuff, right? Like, you just get to say, you get to say, like, yeah, he's strong, but he's got all these, like, different classes, you know? Ha ha. Right. So you're kind of saying that they... They didn't just piggyback off of D&D to be frivolent. They did it because it was a decent game world that they needed to bootstrap onto something, you know. Well, I'm just saying it takes less effort to be like, all right, you know D&D, right? Well, this kid is D&D-esque. Yeah. <laughs> well, and there are, there are moments in this show where I realized it, it wasn't just the characters or the races or the classes that got me. It was the mechanics. Like, remember when, you know, I think it was like the second to last or last episode, he tried to fire off a thunder spell. He had to say it. He misfired, and he shocked himself. Like it what? Like he shocked himself. It wasn't just that he misfired into a canyon or he misfired somewhere else in the battlefield. He hit himself. That to me is like rolling a natural one. Right. Yeah. It was right. It was a cool, uh, cool use of the like, spell. But you know, to me, you know, I, I, like just to comment on that fight, like. When he was fighting Stagnus, he was using like all these things in combination, all these different like small spells, and they were working. Like, why change up and just try to lightning bolt everybody? That's a good point. It was That's just it was just weird. It was like kind of a strange. He had a, he, he had a good game going. Yeah, yeah, like why he had a good game. Why switch up? Gus is literally telling you this is how you should do it, right? <laughs> yeah yeah it's a good point you got the sage literally. the wandering sage literally telling you this is the best way to like do the most damage and you know continue to um hold enough power mana like they haven't explained that really which i think is a mistake um but yeah they should have earlier right because then then you go to uh the wyvern attack and uh melador or whatever the fuck his name is um uh M- manel yeah manel he tells him manel. like dude, stop using, like, humongous spells like that. You're gonna miss. You know, like, wait till they're they're gonna hit. And it's like, yeah. wow, that's so and surprising. Actually, yeah, I have to have a whole flashback to make sure I remember all that shit. Because, right. like, if only some amazing ghost told me, like, three episodes before. Right. <laughs> but all, all, all that right, being Will, said, roll yeah. with disadvantage to shoot him with lightning. Yeah, right. Like, that's what it feels like, right? It felt. It just felt to to any D&D fan that watches this show, I think it's interesting because it only to them will this show feel a little bit blasé. You and I are D&D fans. I felt like it was blasé because it fell into the high fantasy tropes that were set forth by D&D in such a way that like it didn't feel compelling because it was like if someone wrote this campaign as a D&D campaign, it'd be pretty dope, but the fact that it was portrayed in anime made it just a solid D and D campaign made manifest by animation, and they didn't do anything else. That like they kind of rested too much on laurels that I think not a lot of people would know. So if you're not a D and D fan, this show might actually be a bit of a banger for you. That's that's my take. That's my big take right there. Yeah, if I you don't, don't know D and D. There's just not enough like depth to I think the power system to get anybody like super interested in it in my opinion unless you're literally just looking for like random kid attacking things <laughs> like you know what i mean like I, I don't know there was like not a lot of substance to the show i felt no you're yeah you're right and, you're right and, like, i mean even if i didn't know anything about dnd i would still probably feel the same way right like like legitimately the end of the show should have been s- episode six or whatever 
Yeah, honestly. Like, and, and I think it's because they did the service in the first couple, like those first like four episodes. We learned how magic is based on words and we learned swordsmanship from blood that in, in a very compelling way. And I, I don't know. You're, you're right. Like the, the, I don't feel as if though they rest on their laurels. That's what, that's the one thing that gets me tripped up about this show is that this show doesn't feel like it's resting on any laurel. Like they knew exactly from episode seven onward, we may not have liked it, but it seemed like they knew exactly the story they wanted to tell. So at this point, it isn't, it didn't feel like there was any missteps here. It just feels like there wasn't, I don't know, the story that we wanted to hear wasn't there. And that maybe, that maybe is car, like keeping this show higher in my regard because it didn't feel like that they failed to deliver something that I was hoping for. They delivered exactly what they were talking about, and I didn't quite like it. In at the at the end, at least. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's any better personally, but um, how do you figure? How do you figure? Do you think it's just well? I mean, if I don't like it, I don't like it, right? Like regardless of the reason. Um, right, right. But all I'm saying is this can be somebody's ten. But it's, I would be and very the- surprised if anybody could watch the first half and then the transition to the second half. And like the essentially like breaks slammed on the story, um, and and like really honestly the the complete aimlessness of of his task like like they sent him away and they're like good luck live your life and it's like what the f-? and then you know we get the goddess and her her kind of directive to him is like spread my name around again, um, but but that's the thing right he was never given a task it was never meant. He was never task oriented from the begin, like from the outset, you know, he was literally sent off to just like, go do what you got to do. Like that was the intent, like from the start, like get you prepared, get you strong enough to just be out there on your own. And now it's on you to go and manifest a, a path or a journey. Right. I know they gave him the undead God kind of like appearing early as kind of maybe a motivator for revenge but like at the end of the day he never was set on a task he was like told to just go make yourself known in this world find your people like that he had like a quest menu of like three things to do and none of them were like main quest worthy but that's fine like it never felt like that was unintentional or that was a misstep from a writing standpoint that makes sense why he'd be just like let loose you know i don't i don't hate that i don't know it was just it was not um engaging to me i think it's kind of like a situation where i think we all know his his final battle or whatever is going to be against stagnus again right which is very very um in line with D campaigns right like the evil evil god or evil demon uh whatever like generally is the end end user or the end uh person to attack and it may end up being that way but like we just don't know now yeah it's just such dog shit after episode seven in my opinion that it was just really hard to care i don't like i don't really like minnel minnel or whatever his name is i don't really like um Mental, he's he's I I like B a lot. I like Tonio a lot, but I I'm you're right. I, I'm not a big fan of Mental. 
And then, like, the prince looked so evil. Like, I, I couldn't help but think that there's clearly there's something some bad going on here. There's some shit with him, for sure. I was just thinking that. Like, I think the prince, he, he's got some agenda up his slaves. His 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 mean sleeves, his royal sleeves for sure. And I just thought it so, would have been it would have been more interesting if like we had met that uh, half elf, fertile kingdom like owner or whatever the fuck that knows Gus's name. Oh and, right, like, right. Like get that story moving, right? Maybe you know, maybe we're just too early and we're only on ep- episode eleven, and there's going to be twenty four in this core. I don't know, but it's just it seems a little slow. Yeah, and I will say to everyone listening that's still here, you know. The uh, m- uh, Monday that this releases, the 12th episode of this season will be releasing. So we're reviewing on the first 11. So we will have, there is, I guess, some hiatus and it will be released today. So by the time you're listening to this, should probably already be out. Go give it a shot. Go, go give it, go give it a check out. But so let's give it a uh, rating uh, and then, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah I don't know. Yeah. I, I feel like we're being a dead horse at this point. Like, I think I was disappointed with the direction it went. And okay. it seems like for some reason, um, because they kind of set out to do an aimless story, the aimless story doesn't seem to bother you that much, is what it I'm doesn't. gathering. It doesn't. I, I like his freedom. I like the way that it kind of like opened it up. Am I saying the second half didn't kind of blow? No, because it did. <laughs> it, it wasn't great. And But I'll rate it, I'm, I'm going to rate it accordingly. It's going to be a weird rating, but I think I have one for it. Okay, I'm going to give it a 72. Out of a hundred, blood, Mary, and Gus's. <laughs> I'm going to give it a 79 out of 100 prayer breads. <laughs> yep. I think it, it can't, I don't think it can jump into the 80s. I don't think it can do that. It doesn't, it, it, it's, it's lacking a bit of continuity. It's lacking a bit of narrative drive like i'm not on the edge of my seat for the next episode well I'll tell you here, here's what i think i think if if next episode he doesn't like go on his own and then also just like fully leave them then like this show is just uber predictable right i think if if, yeah, he, if he stays yeah. with them and like you know minodil door whatever the fuck comes up to him is like it's not your fault man you know <laughs> it's not your fault you know, dude. i, I want to grow to be your equal yada 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 and then b antonio say the same kind of shit ray star or ray Stav or whatever his name is says the same stuff like the the way this should go if you want it to be a little like unique is like him and ray Stav just dip on everybody and go do like dope shit Cause, honestly yeah because he's looking Seriously. he's looking for uh equal and as far as i can tell Raystoff is the only guy so far that's nuts, and maybe even pick up Anna because she seems to be, you know, the the bishop. She seems to know what she's doing, right? Yeah. She's the bishop's, uh, I guess, adopted daughter, daughter, and it seems yeah, like adopted daughter. Yeah, yeah, seems like she's got some like shit up her sleeve too. Like, why make one character so much more attractive than all the other characters unless she's got something up her sleeve? She looks very maiden esque, <laughs> actually. Yeah, you're right. That's that's a good point. <laughs> I think the one thing. The one thing for me on this is that I think that this, and I got to look at the, the manga or the light novel or something like that, but maybe there is such, I mean, such a larger story here. Maybe we're like at the first part of 10 and that's really hard to do, you know, and do it right. Because if you do it right, it's going to be slow enough to capture every detail. And if you capture every detail, that first season for a long running story is going to feel very slow, very pedantic, very kind of 
at best Perloggy. Which and I would be okay with, but I don't feel like I'm actually getting a lot of detail, right? Like, I think right, that's my right. my biggest dis- disappointment is, like, where's the world building? Like, we hear very yeah. little of the world, and then it's just, like, it feels like a lumbering plot and, and you know, whatever. But I don't know. It seems like, like, for instance, he was just promoted to, like, Paladin, which seems yeah, like, like it's supposed now. to be a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, um, but we have no idea that that's a big deal. Right, so, like, is he a landowner now? Like, I don't know. I've been reading a lot of, like, <laughs> uh, like fantasy books, and, like, those types of promotions normally come with stuff like that, right? He should get some land. I think, at the very least, he should get some land, for right. sure. Anyway, that's yeah. just kind of my thoughts. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. So, like, yeah, things are moving quickly, but we're not getting the explanations to actually have any of these things have impact. And for me... Am I excited to see where this goes? Yes, because of the sheer open-endedness of it all, and that's why I rated it up a little bit higher than Ethan. It's just that it feels like that not only was this big new world set out in front of Will, it was set out in front of me as the viewer, but they didn't do nearly anything to like flesh on that in the second half, whereas the first half, I think we were insanely spoiled. The world building was beautiful. The, the training was beautiful. Uh, Will's upbringing was beautiful. That first five episodes was absolutely clutch. If they were to go from that all the way to the end of the season, this could be easy nineties. Yeah, but it's I agree. Not. And I they agree. D- and they didn't and they didn't right. They didn't do that, so it can't be above an eighty for me. So that's where I land. I so, agree. You know what? I'm excited. I'm excited to see where the where the show goes, but it better go somewhere. Right. Or it's not getting my eyes. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a short one from us, guys. Uh, If you guys recall, last episode, I did like two and a half hours straight of talking. Um, Yes. That was pretty, uh, you know, egregious. Uh, Hopefully, y'all enjoyed my top 100 anime of all time. Um, If you are another podcaster and you'd like to come on an episode where you guys roast my list, uh, please reach out to us because I think that'll be a lot of fun. Um, invitations are open right come so, clown the man come clown I, I on listened. my list yeah one thank you for doing that last week that was nice it was but long <laughs> i did it was long i did listen to your list i have my notes but i shall reserve them for the episode you had just asked other podcasters to come on for we will clown the list yeah and but, I'll, I'll make sure i like send it to whoever wants to come on so they can actually like prepare stuff if they'd like to rather than just oh, re-listen oh, sure. to the episode you know what i mean <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, just kind of like free base it. They don't even see the list. They're yeah. just like, fuck this on the spot. I mean, they probably could. They probably could. I don't know. I saw a couple in there that were egregious. Oh, shut Ethan. up. Oh, egregious. Steins and Gate. I will be saying, I'm not saying a word until we get there. <laughs> Sounds good. I'm not saying, I'm not saying a word. But yeah, other plug I have. Um, I was on Anime Summit's end of the year news special with uh, a couple other podcasters in our discord patreon.com slash ubology one dollar and up earthworm from the anime bros and mitch from talking mitch anime podcast two fantastic podcasts we all go on to anime summit for a f- nearly four hour special talking about the last year's reviews of anime gaming and all things that you can even possibly slap a nerd label onto three dollars enough get you to sell the sidebar <laughs> Our lo-fi, high vibes, sometimes anime, sometimes not, sometimes visual, sometimes on hiatus show where we talk about life and shit and experiment with different. But types it's coming of media back about... in twenty-two. It is. It is. We've made. We've made moves. We're gonna be bringing that back in twenty twenty-two. Uh, but yeah, 
I think that's all I have. Yeah, go into the description. Anywhere you listen to this, the description is going to have our links. Go do the things there. Sorry for the rambling. We love you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Deuces. Deuces. <laughs>